Well, welcome again. Thanks, guys, for being here. If uh, you're a guest with us, a special thanks to you for being here. And uh, excited to be back with you this weekend and uh, take kind of the next step in our series that we started a few weeks ago called uh, The Problem with Being Human. And uh, even before we do that, though, I'd like to just take a minute, if we could, and I'd love to just pray for us and kind of ask God to go before us. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you now recognizing our need for you, you know, recognizing that you're a God that, uh, Lord, you know us completely, you know everything about us, and Lord, even in spite of that reality, you have chosen to love us. And so help us today as we have a conversation about you and about your word. We ask that you would lead us open our hearts and our minds and uh, and go before us here, God, and, and cause us to walk away changed a little bit uh, because of what we discuss and talk through today. Be here in our time, Lord. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, excited about this conversation we're going to walk into. And uh, over the last handful of weeks, what we did is that we kind of opened up a bit of a paradigm about being human. And we said that, man, humans, you and I, human beings, uh, have a lot going on. There's something unique about being a creature that has been made by God, and not only a creature, but a creature that's at the pinnacle of creation, the highest, kind of the highest point of creation. And we, we talked through that over the last handful of weeks. Uh, here's where we started, kind of have this picture that we captured uh, as we walked through kind of, kind of week one. We said, here's the thing. We started on the left there with the image of God. We said, human beings are made in the image of God, like different than any other animal, any other creature different than trees, different than the other parts of the stuff that kind of God made, we are created in God's image and we're created with dignity and respect and honor. And somehow uh, we are like God in some very real ways that the other parts of creation are not. Right? So we said we're made in the image of God. Uh, we're not worms, we're not dust, we're not, we're not nothing. We, we actually have some value. That value has been given to us by God by the way that he's made us. And then we said that, that not only are we made in the image of God, but we're actually designed, we're created for love. Like if you said, what are, we, what are we doing here? We are people that are made to love each other. And by our very nature, we're made to love God, have relationship with him, and then we're made to love each other, to have relationship with one another. And we said that pretty quickly, we're going to see, as you see the story of humanity play out, that we run into a major problem with the fall of humanity. Uh, very quickly, if you were to scan through and kind of read the Bible as if it were just a book, you would find out, hey, uh, God made people, he created us, he created us uniquely like we just talked through, and then right away we're introduced to this fall of humanity. And that fall, we said, shattered all kinds of things. Uh, and, and now, forever after, all of our relationships until Jesus wraps this whole thing up, until this creation is ended, the fall is going to be part of our story. It's part of our reality. And so we said that the, the thing is, that now becomes the problem with being human. In the state that we're in, we're going to have brokenness in our relationships. We're going to have tension, friction, relational breakdown. You kind of name it, it's going to show up. And it doesn't take us very long to look at the story of humanity, uh, the story of history. Uh, you can see that at kind of a, a big level with nations kind of fighting against each other, all the way down to families and couples and parents and children fighting against. Right? That, that friction shows up all over the place. 
And then we can take it into our everyday, and we can see in our lives, certainly there's brokenness, there's friction all around. And so what we said is, typically what would happen is when we bump into the fall of humanity, what tends to happen is we're going to go then from that fall and say, you know what, I hurt you, you hurt me, and we'll go and we'll run to shame, we'll run to blame, we'll run to unforgiveness, right? Shame, I I did something wrong and now I am unlovable, I, I can't be redeemed, I can't be forgiven, blame, you did it, it's your fault, I'm always pointing the finger outward, and then an unforgiveness that separates us from relationships. And here's what we've been saying, that's the natural gravity of kind of where we would go as human beings in kind of left to ourselves, right? Shame, blame, unforgiveness. We said in this series, what if we took a different road? What if we went a different way? And what if God actually kind of opened up a different avenue for us to be able to move towards the gospel, And we said that the gospel, the story about Jesus, not only saves our souls, it absolutely does that, right? Jesus came to do that. He also came to help us learn how to live again, to live in the dignity that we were designed to live in, to learn how to kind of love one another. In fact, that's one of the things that Jesus said when he was on the planet. He said, if you want to know what marks my people, uh, boy, it's it's not the t-shirt they wear, it's not their Facebook posts. It's not their license plate that has weird Christian stuff on it, right? It's not a bumper sticker. It's people's love for one another. Because, right, as I discover through the gospel that Jesus loves me, I begin to live in the image of God more and more, and I start to run into living as a person of love, right? How do I do that? And then we said, of course, even as I'm in that cycle, I'm going to sin again, and I'm going to run in that same temptation over and over again to run into blame and to shame and unforgiveness. So that's what we opened up the conversation with. And then last week, Pastor Aaron talked to us a little bit about uh, unforgiveness and forgiveness. Like, how do I embrace forgiveness? And if you missed either of those conversations, absolutely, you should catch up online. And I kind of get the big picture because I think this series in particular is going to be foundational to healthy human relationships. Because here's the thing, we're made to love, we all want to do that, and we're all broken people. We're always going to run into our own brokenness and in the brokenness of other people, right? As we, as we try to love our spouse or try to love our kids or our parents, always the fall of humanity is going to show up, and then we have to figure out when that happens, not if it happens, when that happens, what am I supposed to do with it? Do I just become a person of bitterness? Do do I just sink into it? Or can I learn a new path? Can I embrace the gospel, not only for salvation, but to become a person of love and a person that's ever-changing? So that's what we want to continue to walk into. And while last week we really looked at what do I do when you hurt me, uh, what we're going to look at this week is what do I do when I hurt you? What What do I do when it's my fault? Like when I'm, the, I'm kind of the bad guy, the culprit in the situation. And when, when that happens, because it's going to happen, or I'm a fallen human being, if I believe anything about the Bible, I'm certainly going to have to come up and see that reality that, that I need help, I'm a sinful person, so I'm going to hurt you, you're going to hurt me, we're going to sin against each other. What do I do when that starts to happen? 
when that shows up in relationships, how do I deal with it? How do I manage it? And we all know that when, when that happens to us, when somebody sins against us, uh, when they've done something wrong, you all know, and I, all, I know, that the best response ever is when somebody in a rare scenario takes 100% ownership for it. You ever have that happen before? Where somebody did something wrong in your life, they, they kind of sinned against you, they did something inappropriate, uh, they did something they shouldn't have done to you, and they came to you and with humility just totally owned it. If you ever had that happen before, it's one of the most refreshing things ever if you've ever experienced it. Uh, I, back in college, I remember I was in this class uh, this one time with this girl, and, uh, and we were just getting to know each other a little bit, and, and uh, she came up to me during one of our class sessions, and, and she said, hey, hey, Ryan, can we talk to each other? Okay, can we go over here and talk a little bit? You know, and I was like, hey, lady, slow down, I'm engaged. Right? Like, I'm, I'm off the market. You know, I had hair back then. I was kind of a big deal. It's not true. I was never a big deal, right? But, but I thought I was. In it. But she came to me, and she said, no, seriously, can we, can we talk? And it had nothing to do with any of that. She, she actually said, hey, remember that story I told you last week? Uh, I was just telling you a story. We're kind of just being friendly. She's a real sweet, quiet girl in a Bible class, right? It was real, uh, real chill. And, and she, she said, remember I told you that story? I was like, yeah. And then with, with complete humility, I'll never forget this complete humility, she said, I, I need to confess to you that, that I completely lied about these things that I told you last week. And I, and I was so convicted about it, I had to tell you. I, I remember the girl's name. Right? I just barely knew her. But I was so shocked and so refreshed. My admiration for her went through the roof because she just simply owned it. She said, I'm sorry. She confessed it to me. She looked me in the eye with humility, and she actually asked for my forgiveness. My, my respect for her went through the roof in that interaction, and, and, and literally, I never forgot it. I don't remember the story she told me. I don't remember her name, but I remember that, and I was marked by it, and it, it kind of permanently stuck in my, my heart and my mind. When those kind of things happen, it, it alters us, and it's so refreshing. And what's funny is when we're the offender, when we did something wrong, and we think about taking ownership of something, not saying I'm sorry, but here's all the reasons why I did that. Not, not I'm sorry, but, but here's all the things you did that made me want to do that. Just stop and just own it completely. We are terrified that, that somebody's going to look back at us and disrespect us or take advantage of us or think less of us. It just feels absolutely humiliating to go through a situation like that. But when we think about somebody else who's hurt us, we wish that they would do that in our relationship, that they would come to us and own it completely. Isn't that fascinating? Now, there, there's an interesting verse that I think applies all over the place, but it certainly applies to this situation where Matthew, or Matthew's reporting Jesus and his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and he says something that I think is profound and, again, could show up all over the place for us. Here's what he says. Matthew 7, uh, in verse 12, 
he says this, he says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, just think about what, what would you love for someone else to do for you? What, what would you love for them to initiate? How would you want them to treat you? Just do that. Do that with people. You, you want to know what the law and the prophets basically say? You want to know what kind of the whole Old Testament's talking about? Elsewhere, he would say, love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's also going to say this verse, right? Basically, this sums it up. Just do to other people what you want them to do to you. And, and you start to take that in the context of relational breakdown. What do we really hope? What do we really wish that people would do for us? Man, we, we just want them to own it. So what if we did that? What if we just owned it? When we know there's a breakdown in a relationship, that something's wrong, and, and there's a part that I can own in it, what if we just did that? Because that's what we really want people to do for us. And I think there's a couple different scenarios where this might show up. A couple different ways that this would play out. Sometimes it's kind of easy. Sometimes I know it's my fault. Like, we got a relational breakdown, and I know it's me. Like, I straight up biffed, and I did it wrong, and we all have those, right? We could probably all tell stories of times and places where it was just on me. I blew it, 100% my fault. And if we looked at this kind of box right here, and we said, let's say this is the entirety of the relational breakdown, sometimes it's really easy to see we, we would look at the relational breakdown and say, you know, it's 100% me. The entirety of the whole box is like on me. It's my fault. It's my problem. I blew it. I feel bad about it. I need to own it. If I'm in that place, what should I do? Right? Kind of what should I do? And, and here's what I would say. I think what we need to do, if I find myself here, what I should do is this. I should run to the gospel. I should run to the gospel. Here's what I mean by that. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If I have sinned, first and foremost, I need to do business with God. I need to recognize that God sees me, he knows me, he knows I blew it, and I need to recognize and confess to him first and receive forgiveness for my sins from him. When I do that, when I know that I have been accepted, I have been forgiven, that, I, that I've been purified from all unrighteousness, it puts me in the right state of mind where I don't have to live in shame anymore, and then I can begin to think about how might I interact with a human that I've hurt, right? I do kind of do business with God first, and then think about how might I do business with the person that I've hurt. That's super easy when it's 100% my fault. Now, there's another scenario. This is the scenario we're going to find ourselves in most of the time. There's another scenario that looks more like this, where uh, we have hurt each other. You, you have a part to play in it. I have a part to play in it. And we might radically disagree about how much of it's on me versus how much of it's on you. That, that's the reality of, of most of our interactions. Right? We're, we're in a fight with one another and you should have done this, and I, shouldn't, I should have done that, and I have this perspective, you have that perspective. And when we look at the total 
of what might go into our relational breakdown, we're going to disagree pretty radically about kind of where the line is of what part's yours to own and what part's mine to own, right? Sometimes it's kind of a straight-up 50-50. I blew this part, you blew that part. In that argument, and, and if we were honest, we could kind of see it, right, see it kind of play out. Most of the time, we tend to think of our relational breakdowns, I think, at least this is my experience, more like this, right? I did a little bit. I mean, I probably shouldn't have said it that way. I probably shouldn't have said those extra three sentences that really pushed over the line, but really, you did it all, right? That, that's the reality of how a lot of it plays out, is there, there's a part maybe that I have to play, but my part is minimized and your part is maximized. Maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's 20-80, maybe it's even less than that. But th this is the reality, right, of how a lot of times it's going to play out in that relationship. That last argument that we had, that last breakdown that we had, you were the major contributor and I am the minor contributor. Now, what do we do when that happens? What do we do when we find ourselves there when, uh, when, when I can't quite land it completely on my own? I probably can't land it completely on you either. We both have some skin in the game, so to say. We both have a part to play. And I, I think this scenario shows up all over the place, right? Sometimes we're going to see this at work or on a team or a situation with a coach, certainly with a spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, and you can begin to see it. And I know I've got a part to play. What do I do with that part? How does it play out? I think this is really helpful. When I begin to ask the question, how do I wrestle with this? How do I approach this? We go back to our first graph. It's really easy for me to fall into blame here and to run to you did all of these things wrong. If you wouldn't have, if you would have just, if you weren't, if we didn't make this decision, and if it wasn't on you, then we wouldn't have had it all play out that way. How do I manage this? Because the, the reality, if I'm really honest with myself, the reality is I did some stuff wrong in this scenario. There's a part to play. And our human thinking tends to allow us to get off the hook by saying, well, you did more damage than me. I did less, so I'm... I'm more justified in my stance in this breakdown. I'm more okay in it than you are because you did more damage. Now, the gospel would say something very different. This is an important piece of it, right? Because here's the thing. The gospel doesn't measure us against each other. The gospel measures us against Christ. So when I run, instead of running to blame and shame, if I run to the gospel, if I run back to the story about Jesus what will happen is I'm going to be reminded, right, Jesus didn't die because, for me because uh, I'm better than most people and I mostly get it right sometimes. He, he doesn't look at me and compare me against other people and the people who are mostly better than other people are the people that he accepts. He doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't grade based on our scales that are good outweighs our bad. What he does is he, he looks and says, this is perfection. That This is like what it actually means to be holy and righteous. And, and what happens is every human being on the planet fails that test. 
It doesn't matter if we fail it by a little or we fail it by a lot. The, the, the actual assessment of the situation is, is pass-fail, and the only passing grade is holiness. The gospel would tell us the only way that anyone has ever passed that test is, is to be basically be Jesus. It's the only way that's going to happen. So we're all on the same boat, right? You and I are all sinful people. We all recognize, first and foremost, that we don't, we don't compare ourselves against each other. It's not me versus those kinds of people. I don't look at other groups or other, uh, other people on my team or in my group or in my workplace or my family and say, well, we are way better than they are, so we're justified by that. We look at our part, this is important, we look at our part no matter how small it is. Catch this. We look at that and we say, this cost the life of the Son of God. Catch that? This cost the life of the Son of God. That breakdown we just had, my little part in it, Jesus had to die for that. Seriously, for, for me just thinking, me, me just saying a couple sentences extra over the line, Jesus had to die for that? Yeah. Why? Because that's what sin costs. That's what the gospel says. That's the reality of it, right? That, that Jesus had to die for that. And when I come back to that truth over and over again, man, Jesus, I, I confess to you, that I have sinned here, right? I'm the one who did it. I went too far. I'm the one that has anger or hate in my heart. I'm the one that pushed it and blew it. Jesus, forgive me. Now, when I compare myself against Christ, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how much ownership I have. If it's this one or this one or that one, if I have any part to play in it whatsoever, then I'm guilty, and I need forgiven for my sin. And he forgives me for it. He purifies me from all unrighteous. We just looked at that. And I stand in the same place where I say, God, thank you. Right? Thank you for forgiving me for my sin. And you know what it does, you guys? It frees us in a really unique way. Because now I don't need to prop myself up and prove myself. I don't have to justify myself. Why? Because I'm just like you and you're just like me. We're all in the same boat. I needed Jesus to die for me, and you needed Jesus to die for you. We're not better than one another. We're not above one another. We're not comparing ourselves against each other. We're comparing ourselves against holiness. We all fail, and we're all in the same boat. We're all in need. And Jesus, if you would die for me, thank you. If you would forgive me of my sins, certainly I can forgive the other person for theirs fascinating how that all works. When I run down the road of the gospel, it helps me get right back into the right ballpark again, avoiding blame, avoiding shame, avoiding unforgiveness, because I'm seeing myself appropriately. I'm seeing myself as a sinful person that Jesus loves and died for, and only in him can I have forgiveness. Great verse shows up here in the Psalms. I think captures this. The psalmist David says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Against you and you only. Lord, Lord, 
that relational breakdown, that anger that's in me, that, that backbiting, but really that's against you first. doesn't matter what they did. doesn't matter if they started it. doesn't matter if they deserved it. doesn't matter if they did more of it. Lord, it's against you that I have sinned. And it's your forgiveness that I need first and most. That places me into a place where I think about myself in a sane and realistic way. What is insane is when we grade on a curve and think that my little bit less brokenness is better than your little bit more brokenness by my own perspective. Sane view of it says all of us have failed, all of us have sinned, and man, we're all in the same boat here. So in a unique and real way, when, when I have hurt someone else, the best thing that I could ever do, the thing I would want somebody to do for me, no matter if it's all on me or if it's a 50-50 or an 80-20 or you name it, is I'm just going to own my part in it. Own it. Eat it. Completely. This is the part I'm guilty for, right? And, and I don't contrive that. I don't make that up. I experience that when I talk to the Lord about it because I am actually guilty for my part in it right? on a day in, day out basis. Say, so, Ryan, what do, how do I deal with this? Like, how would I move forward? I recognize that I got to interact with God first, right? no matter what I've done in the, in the equation. That's step one. That's the great equalizer of all of us. But then how do I move forward and actually like talking to another human about, about what I've done if I've hurt somebody else. Let, let, let me walk you through three steps, okay, pretty simple, three steps on how to do that, right? At least get the ball rolling. Here's the first one, ready? The first one is I want, I want to do what I can to reach out to them. So I understand that we could find ourselves in all kinds of relational breakdowns, like you name it, right? It could be with somebody that I don't have any contact with anymore. It could be somebody I'm sitting next to right now. It's the whole gamut, right? You name it. But, but step one is if I'm able to, I want to take initiative. I want to reach out to them like that girl in my college class reached out to me. I don't have this on the screen for you, but I want to read you this verse real quick because I think it's uh, important just to hear it. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, here's what Jesus would say. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, right? if you're going to church and you're going to worship, in essence, and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, he says, leave your gift there in front of the altar First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is going to say, when you have something that you know you did against your brother or sister, they have something against you. Whose responsibility is it to move on that? It's yours, Jesus would say. You own it. You take responsibility. Now what's fun is if we went and looked at the verses we looked at last week in Matthew 18, when someone's offended, whose responsibility is it when they're offended? It's their responsibility to bring it up too. Jesus puts responsibility on both the offender and the offended to go to the other one. You're sinned against, bring it up. You're the sinner, bring it up. 
right? Everybody just bring this thing up because we want to work at peace and reconciliation. Why? Because we are fallen, broken people and we need a lot of help to work at this. We're focused in on this piece. When I'm the one who sinned against someone else and I know it, it says, you bring it up, right? But that's the most, that's the most Christian, it's the most holy thing you could do before you go do church stuff. Work on that relationship that's broken, in essence, is what Jesus is saying. So do what you need to to reach out to them. If that's somebody who's close in your life, set up a time to talk to them. Hey, can we talk sometime soon? Can I take you to coffee? Will you come over? Will you, will you sit with me? I, I have some things on my heart I want to share with you. And prepare them to have a conversation with you in a way that they could win, in a way they can hear you. Don't, don't bring it up you know, in a crowded space when they're feeling short. Right? Create an environment where you can kind of unload your heart and share what you've done. And of course, it depends on the depth of what it is. If it's not a huge deal, you probably get through it uh, pretty quickly. You just own it and recognize it, and you'll, you guys will probably move through it fast. Sometimes it's a monumental wound that we've caused to each other. Make this space to do that. And let me say a few things uh, about this. Uh, I think it's important that when we're talking about reaching out to people that we have sinned against, we're not saying that you should go do that with somebody that you just thought a bad thing about. Okay? They might not even know that. Right? You're, you're not initiating contact with somebody and say, you know what, I don't like you very much. They're like, you don't? Right? You, you don't need to do that. You, you just confess that to God. You don't need to start something that's not broken. Right? You confess that to Jesus or whatever and you put it away. We're not talking about that. We're talking about actual actions or words or things that we know that we did that actually hurt real people. Here's another just little caveat for you. Uh, don't reach out and go start and fire up a bunch of conversations with your exes. Right? You're not going to like go get on Facebook and start confessing your sin to them. Talk, if you're married, talk to your spouse about it. Do it with wisdom. If you have a scenario that needs another set of eyes on it, get some wisdom on it. Talk to your life group leaders. Uh, talk to one of our staff members here at Grace. Get, get another set of eyes on it and approach it carefully if you need to. Uh, there are some scenarios that, that gotta, you can't quite crack open or you're going to cause maybe more trouble. This is the situation where if you have the ability, if the person is still alive, if you have access to them, if it will be beneficial to both of you, then you take the initiative to bring it up. And you set the environment, and you set the stage, and you begin to initiate it. It's key. Here's the next step. Apologize. Apologize. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry for what I've done. This is huge. When we actually sit down to own it, if you've actually interacted with Jesus on this, it'll be easier, quite a bit easier, because there won't be a hidden defensiveness in, in our hearts. But if you can sit down, talk to someone, and say, listen, here, here is exactly what I've done to you. This is my part. I'm sorry for it. Will you forgive me for it? And there's no but afterwards. There, there's no, here's all the things that you did, and here's all the reasons why. It's just there's a period, and then it's silence. I apologize, and I'm sorry. It's Sorry that I hurt you in this way. 
would you forgive me for it? Done. Right, that's it. Let it sit. I've been thinking about this. I've been convicted about it. Would you forgive me for it? And guys, sometimes that apology from what I've done uh, needs to be accompanied with some actions. Say, what do you mean? Uh, Sometimes we've hurt people and and it's been a financial hurt. Uh, Sometimes we we borrowed money and never paid it back. If you're going to apologize, you should be ready to make that right. Pay the money back. If you have done something and not fulfilled your word to someone, be ready to fulfill your word to them. Right? Be willing to, to, to go back and, and make whatever it is that has been wrong right. If, you, if you've cheated on a spouse, boy, you better be willing to do the counseling or that apology means nothing. You better have skin in the game in that apology. Make sense? It's got to show up and be real because otherwise it's just words and it's just going to fall flat. So I apologize from the heart and I want to bring whatever it takes to make that right and show up kind of um, willing to do whatever it takes to mend that relationship. Making sense? First thing I want to do is I initiate, I reach out to them, then I apologize, I say I'm sorry for what I've done, and with that apology, with those words, comes actions behind it if need be. Here's the last one. If you can, do it with tears in your eyes. If you can, do it with tears in your eyes. This is not done with gritted teeth. It's not done begrudgingly. You ever watch your kids? To my, I see my kids do this. Say you're sorry. Like, fine, I'm sorry. Right? It doesn't mean anything, man. It's just words. I want to be able to do this and get myself to the point where I feel emotionally the brokenness that I might have caused in that relationship. Okay. I'm going to be able to do it with tears. I'm sorry. I'm, I hurt you and I know it and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? It was 20 years ago that that, that girl I barely knew said that to me. And I still remember it. She was on the verge of tears. Heartfelt, sincere. For me, I have very high confidence that that young woman knew Jesus. This is what we're talking about. And see, that this is, if I'm going to take seriously what the Bible has to say about being a follower of Jesus, then what I'm going to recognize is this, that human relationships matter. They matter a ton. They're, they're among the most important things that God has given to us. I'm going to recognize that, that my life matters and that I have dignity and the people around me have dignity. We're made to love each other and we're going to hurt each other. And when we hurt each other, we have to develop, you and I, the skill of learning how to forgive and how to be forgiven. How to ask for forgiveness and to extend forgiveness. How when I hurt, I take initiative, and when I hurt others, I take initiative. Right? And, and work at being good. You want a great marriage? You, you, I love, I think it was Ruth Graham that said this, if you want a great marriage, you have to be two great forgivers. Isn't that great? 
two people who are skilled at this. Why? Because we're fallen, and we're broken, and we're hurting. Right? We, 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 just, we do this stuff all the time. It's just the reality of who we are and where we've come from. Once you think about it, what if, what if because of one moment in time, you thought through and prayed through and said, God, who, who's, who am I in broken relationship with right now? And we spent some time, we said, what, what names come to mind? And we, we took the time to grab those names and ask the Lord the question, have I actually walked through the process of owning my part? Not their part and not all the reasons, my part, in the breakdown of the relationship. Have I done that yet? What, what if because we took the time to do that, God works through that and did more in and through that relationship than we ever thought was possible. Who knows? Right? And we said, God, the rest is up to you. I don't know how it needs to play. I don't know how it's going to work, but you know, if possible, we want to do this face-to-face. If, if that's not possible, you write a handwritten letter. But we said, God, open my heart and my mind, and would, would you give me the courage to take ownership for the part that I've actually played in this. I've had to do this um, an embarrassing number of times. Embarrassing number of times. When I first came to know Jesus, um, I heard a a conversation like this, and I had to sit down and write letter after letter after letter. I'd write a couple checks. And the value in my life of having a clean conscience, I did what I knew how to do. I can't change you. But I, I know what I can do. I can own this part. And the value of a clean conscience is immeasurable. It's like gold. And, and even up to last week, I've had to do this, right? I apologize for, to my spouse, for, to Lori, for things that I've done. J- just in the way that I treated her. Why? I'm a broken, sinful person. So are you. I literally cannot be a functional human being without getting good at this. That's what it is. So guys, what if we started, what if we started today, here and now, and we said, I'm going to be radical in my ownership and my honesty of the parts that I play. And, I, and God, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to bring it up, and I'm going to apologize. And God, would you give me the tears when needed to feel it, the pain that I've caused others? What if we just went for it? How pleasing would that be to God? How freeing would that be to our own hearts? Man, we got to face the problem of being human head on. As the band comes out, 
You're going to give us some space. Would you pray? Would you ask God, bring to mind, Lord, the work that I have to do for your glory? Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to say thank you right now. Thank you for your unbelievable grace and forgiveness on my life. Because, Lord, you know the selfishness and the pride and the people that I've run over and hurt, the cynical remarks that I've made, the cutting comments. see it, you know it all. And I just want to say thank you today, Lord, that you forgive. I do not deserve it. I cannot earn it. But you offer it freely. And Lord, for, for my friends and I here, we, we beg you, God, that you would give us that kind to have, to have a clean conscience, to confess our sins freely to you, and to be people that are open, saying, I'm sorry, I did it, it was my fault. things to mind now, the people, the places, the, the actions that need to take. And God, I ask that you would bring healing that is supernatural, beyond anything we could think or imagine. Meet us here.